Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for joining us for the AccuWeather podcast, Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and I'm joined in the studio now by Director of Audio Services, Ken Prow, and my producer, Andy Robb. This week, we are talking about flying and weather, and uh, not not me, like flying, like, you know, like planes <laughs> flying, planes flying. I, I thought you developed some you kind of me? superhero, superpower. I've been watching yeah. too many of the Marvel uh, comic <laughs> movies out there. Um, but yes, we're talking this week to Wait Ave. He is a commercial pilot for a major airline, and we're talking about flying and how it relates to weather. Are you guys? How are you guys with flying? Do you get nervous? The only time I get nervous is when we're landing. I get nervous on both, <laughs> both like taking off and landing. It just doesn't make sense to me. The right. physics of it and all. <laughs> yeah, and the taking off really doesn't make yeah. any sense either. It's huge. This thing is huge. Are you sure this is going up? But for the most part, I'm, I'm fairly relaxed when I'm flying. Yeah. Right. What about you, Andy? Uh, the only time that I'm really, really shaken up about flying is when they run out of those mini bottles on the plane. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get I the, yeah that's how you know, get by. I'd probably say, you know, the big T turbulence probably when when that hits is oh. probably what, what probably gets me the most but taking off and landing i'm not too bad it doesn't bother you yeah. see i'm never i'm never comfortable at that stage of the flight that taking off or landing so we had a couple of stories recently for example there were some flights this winter i know that were skidding off the runway we had a couple of stories like that then also storms in early march there was a delta airlines flight leaving los angeles international airport struck by lightning when it was getting ready to fly to seattle which actually is something that happens on occasion it's not so rare so for me i get nervous about flying and weather how it relates to weather but it makes me feel better to know some of the statistics Flight statistics, according to the FAA, there's over 2,600,000 passengers that board flights daily in the U.S. Wow. So I'm like, okay, they're doing it every day. Yeah, multiple times, man. Multiple times. times. They're landing just fine. Over 43,000 daily flights handled by the FAA. And 5,000 aircraft are in the sky at peak operational times. So then I'm like, well, you know what? They got this. Yeah. I, I, what know, do you have to be worried about? What do I have to be worried about? So, And I feel even better after my conversation with the pilot that I mentioned to you, Wait Ave. So he's coming up next to tell us about weather and flying. Stay with us. Well, few careers are affected more on a day-to-day basis than pilots. At any given time, we know their schedule can take a pretty dramatic turn based upon the weather. So today, Andy, Ken, and I are joined by Captain Wait Ave. He's a pilot with a major commercial airline. So thanks for joining us today, Wait. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know what? I'm just going to quickly tell, tell listeners our story because you were the pilot. I, I was flying out of Austin and you were the pilot that flew me back into Philadelphia during a wintry mixed storm that we had here in late February. So that's how, how you and I kind of got to know each other. So I was wondering if you could tell me about that flight 
and some of the issues that you faced on that particular flight. Basically, as on a typical day as a pilot, we will arrive one hour or one and a half hours before scheduled departure time. In the case where we met, um, it was what we call a turn in the business. I flew from Philadelphia to Austin and then returning to Philadelphia. So typically what we're during our flight to Austin, we're actually getting weather um, for our flight back to Philadelphia. And we're making plans. I'm coordinating with our operations, our dispatcher to coordinate flight release, manifest data, and then we receive a formalized weather briefing. So on that particular day, it was right at uh, about 32 degrees with it mixing between freezing rain and snow. So those bring specific challenges for us when we start encountering that type of weather. Give me an example of what some of the specific challenges that you face, you know, freezing rain, for example, versus sleet or snow. As you're aware, weather can be very different depending upon where it occurs. I mean, for instance, ground level weather. Um, We are typically involved with uh, visibility concerns, the taxiway, runway conditions, things like that. But once an aircraft becomes airborne, it's subject to a whole slew of weather phenomena, turbulence, rain, icing, convective activity. Essentially, as the aircraft moves through the atmosphere, it experiences all of these phenomena. So when you have icing, typically a commercial airline will have anti-ice capability that removes any ice off of the leading edge, leading, removes it out of the engines, off the wings and stabilizers in the back. Mm-hmm. So we are constantly monitoring temperature, the actual precipitation that we are flying through. And that will actually determine what we need to do inside the cockpit to manage that weather appropriately. Okay, so you have instruments telling you everything that's happening on the exterior of the plane that then tells you what you need to kind of switch on? Yes, it's uh, it's based off of the temperature. The, the aircraft itself, we're constantly getting updates from not only our dispatcher and our operations, but also other airline pilots that have perhaps flown through a particular weather environment. So we coordinate that through air traffic control and preceding aircraft can actually advise that between the flight level of 23 and 18,000, they encountered light icing or rime icing. We will actually, pilots are knowledgeable on the type of icing they're receiving. We categorize it as light, moderate, severe, And then so we can get constant updates as we move through and and head to our destination. Um, As you know, airlines spend a great deal of time and money in the investment of weather uh, capability. Um, It it really comes down to the bottom line of profitability for a carrier. And they need to know and manage that effectively on a day-to-day basis. Let's take a step backward real quickly because I I just want to ask you a little bit about your career and and how long you've been flying. Well, I started flying fairly young. Um, I was about 16 years old when I first got my first airplane. Um, I've been flying professionally for 18 years. So uh, I've roughly been flying in some way, shape or form for the past 30 years. So I was in good hands (laughs) because we had some turbulence, I remember, on that particular flight. And I think I remember hearing you come across and saying that we were going to be dealing with 
with some of that. And, you know, so it's always good to know because I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to flying. Uh, there's uh, That's my grandmother's term, ah, nervous <laughs> Nelly. But, uh, you know, it always makes me a little nervous, so it's always good to know I, when you're I good I think hands. that it's, it's okay for people to be nervous and encounter it on a daily basis. Um, one thing that our passengers need to understand is is that we're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, actu- we're actually involved in the same situation you are, and we want to go home too, so... Right, right, exactly. Now, you had talked about, you know, arriving early, about an hour early. And can you talk to me a little bit about how you're briefed for the day regarding the weather? The weather briefing is typically issued through what the FAA approves. And that would be something similar to the U.S. National Weather Service or the Enhanced Weather Information System. And all of the information is collected. It's given to us in a printed form. We also have radar that we can view inside of our briefing rooms we get reports we get every type of weather report that you have out there i mean not only hourly but forecasted reports area forecast significant weather forecast uh and then we have a series of other um, notifications that's issued by the faa typically where the local airport, perhaps the destination airport that you're flying to, will have specific equipment that is on the ground mm-hmm. that may be inoperative at the time of your arrival. And all of that is calculated before we ever leave the ground from our origin. You know, I think it's interesting because when I think about what you have to know in a day, not only do you have to know many areas of the country and sometimes even outside the country, Um, from where you're starting and and your destination, but then you've got to know ground level, mid-level, upper level. Like, it's it's an incredible amount of information you've got to know. Yeah, yeah, of course. When you start in the very smallest of airplanes, weather is a very big portion of that training. It starts off with the fundamentals of meteorology, and then it slowly expands because as the aircraft capability expands as you move in, to larger airplane or perhaps turbine-driven airplane, you encounter a greater spectrum of weather phenomena. So although your knowledge when you first start is basic, throughout your entire training career, you're constantly, constantly talking about weather. And after 30 years of being in the business, I can tell you that it's pretty standard when we go through our recurrent training that we study specific weather phenomena that impacts departures and arrivals because that's where the aircraft tends to be the most vulnerable right close to the ground Mm -hmm. so we recertify on that usually on the about every six months oh wow time so we we spend a great deal of time and there's a great deal of money invested in understanding weather, specifically at my level. I wanted to ask you, too, if we could kind of break down some of the issues that you faced at the different levels. For example, at ground level, can we talk about some of those ground level issues that are the most difficult for you to deal with, for example, in the spring or summer? Navigating on the ground in thick fog can actually be impossible. Some of the aircraft, you have to remember, are actually 25 feet or more in the air. So even though maybe at the surface you could walk around and see 40 feet in front of you, Mm -hmm. when you're actually 25 or higher up into the air, you may be completely in the fog. So navigating could be impossible. Now, there's a tremendous amount of technology that goes into airports 
that have lighting systems, ground-based um, navigation systems and things like that. But for the most part, taxiing to a runway or taxiing off of a runway after arriving in thick fog is a significant challenge for us. We honestly can land an aircraft and have zero visibility, but we can't taxi off the runway. Oh, so okay. depending on the aircraft, we have systems that guide that aircraft once it touches down and maintains the center line of the runway. But that may be it because we can't see out the window enough to taxi to a gate or even clear a runway at times. Now, those are rare occasions, but they can happen. And so navigating on the ground is, is a significant challenge just due to we still need to see. Right. Versus landing in that, we have global positioning system. Um, we have land-based navigational systems that guide us to a runway. So although we may not be able to visually see where we're landing, we typically can guide ourselves to very low altitudes with a high margin of safety and still land an aircraft. Okay. So the ground navigation tends to be a little more challenging than airborne navigation, of course, because we have onboard weather radar that allows us to circumnavigate storms once airborne. Mm -hmm. We typically circumnavigate those storms by at least 30, 40 miles. We get a, actually a very clear picture when we're airborne of the development of a cumulonimbus cloud. We see it. We see the anvil. We see everything. How? Where's the development? We also have onboard wind indications that's telling us which way that storm is moving so we can plan our track around it and avoid it significantly and oh. that's one of the main reasons we we fly at the altitudes that we do fly at is is we can navigate weather more effectively right and it's probably amazing to see i mean no one sees storms like you guys see them as those anvils are building and you know some of the things that i've witnessed in my career um very impressive it's put a uh, I have a lot of respect for weather uh, thunderstorm that is uh, growing um, you physically or you can visually see it and it's the magnitude of it and the strength of it is is very impressive I'm sure because you've seen it at all all levels in the atmosphere correct now what about uh, wind at ground level microburst activity and wind shear is of significance for us um, we often we have equipment on the aircraft that will register that. And if it does alert, we usually go and wait. And we usually wait for that uh, wind shear or microburst activity to dissipate. We, we surely do not continue approach and we surely don't try to take off into it. The forces at play in a microburst are simply, they, they exceed the performance of the aircraft. So we, we monitor it. We know about it. Typically, airports have systems on the ground that determine that, that shear, that wind shear mm -hmm. that takes place, and they issue alerts. And then, obviously, we have other aircraft that are departing in front of us that experience something. And so they relay it. And our response on the ground is stay on the ground if you're on the ground, if you're air, if you're in the air then go wait it out because it's usually a short-term event. True, true. Now, what uh, what about in winter when you're talking about maybe snow or sleet or there's certain things that are yeah, worse to navigate? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge with the wintry um, precipitation is a freezing rain. 
Um, it has the ability to the rain hit areas of the aircraft that we may not be able to, to detect right away. We have indications that are on the outside of the airplane that we can see from the cockpit window. We typically can judge pretty well as to how fast ice is accumulating on the aircraft. Snow, it's airborne. It tends not to be as big a challenge except for visibility, like driving in a snowstorm, that right. phenomenon of looking out the window. But it does become of great concern once the aircraft is on the ground because now it concerns our braking action on the runway. So we have to think about all those precipitations. But freezing rain, I'm pretty confident. I don't know this was 100% certainty. My carrier, definitely. We just, we're, we're not authorized to fly in it. So if we experience freezing rain, it's typically a delay. And again, weather is a short-term event, so we'd rather wait it out than try to uh, sacrifice the margins of safety. And then also, uh, like with turbulence, does that ever cause a delay to a flight? Do you usually just fly around it? And can you talk a little bit about the creation of turbulence, how you know when you're going to anticipate it? Turbulence is often reported to... Um, pilots. Um, it could be um, a forecast. Perhaps it's a frontal boundary where they anticipate turbulence will be occurring. Um, but most of our turbulence reports are issued by pilots that have flown through that particular location. And turbulence can exist at one altitude and a thousand feet later, it won't exist. So we classify turbulence as light, light chop, moderate chop, light turbulence, moderate turbulence, severe turbulence, and we have all these different classifications. And so when we get a report, either from another uh, aircraft or perhaps from air traffic control, then we will change altitudes. Perhaps the controllers are constantly monitoring where the turbulence is, and they can tell you usually pretty accurately that, hey, you're going to encounter moderate chop in 10 miles. Wow, they, that's they're amazing. getting all these reports. And so we plan accordingly. The aircrafts are designed to fly in turbulence, as you can imagine. They experience it every day. Mm -hmm. And so typically, if we know we're going to encounter a little heavier turbulence, we'll actually slow the aircraft down so that turbulence has less effect on the aircraft. Oh, okay. So if you're going faster through it, it's going to, it's going. Absolutely. Okay. It exaggerates it for sure. And then, uh, you know, what would have been one of the more challenging flights, if you don't mind me asking, that maybe you've had to deal with in your career? You know, I do this job because of the challenges, to be quite honest with you. Being an airline pilot is one of the most challenging, but most rewarding professions that anyone can have. Pilots are, they're always minimizing risk. We understand the challenges that we face every day and we train to avoid putting our passengers, ourselves into harm's way. So we go through a pre-flight briefing with our crew members before we ever leave the ground, before we ever leave the gate and we talk about it um, and we discuss it. We know that the previous aircrafts that's left a particular airport have been experiencing turbulence on climb out. So we tell our cabin crew, stay in your seats till we call, till we find smooth air. But that being said, the challenges are summer storms, um, ground fog, heavy precipitation where visibility is reduced. Those are the navigating summer storms. I mean, we have two seasons. We have winter and we have thunderstorm season in the pilot profession. Right. And thunderstorms are always a challenge. So because they pop out of nowhere, they're very often uh, very intense 
and uh, we don't want anything to do with them, to be quite honest with you. Wait, one of the questions that I had um, for somebody that's a novice passenger on a plane or somebody that's really, really nervous about flying from a captain's perspective, what kind of advice could you give somebody to help them be a little less nervous about flying? You know, we see it on a daily basis. Um, the first thing you can do as a passenger is ask the flight attendant when you're boarding if you can talk to the captain and, and ask your questions directly. I get it all the time. We talk about the aircraft and what it does and, you know, in, in general terms when they ask those questions. Um, I think a lot of the fear of flying comes from the fact of it's not like being a passenger in a car. You're, you can't see what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so you just notice that you're flying straight and level, and then all of a sudden the airplane is making a turn. And you don't necessarily correlate the two as to, we're actually working. You know? <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our jobs, and we're doing what we should do. Um, but for the nervous flyer, by all means, ask to go up front and talk with either the first officer or captain. They'll be happy to uh, talk to you about it. How was Regina as a, as a passenger? Because <laughs> she's a troublemaker around here, so... <laughs> Well, next time, Regina, you just feel free to go up and talk with them. They'll be happy to share. I'm going to do that. Well, you know, one thing that always makes me feel better is to know, like, someone like you, you're doing this every day, several times a day. And so it always makes me feel better because I'm like, these guys got this. These guys got this. So we're there. We're there along for the ride with you. So we have families and we want to uh, we want to do our job correctly. We want to stick around for a long, prosperous career. And uh, so we take it very seriously when we're at work. We, we understand that we're carrying mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandsons, sisters, brothers on our flights. And they're going to occasions wherever right. in the world. We understand it and we, uh, we treat it with the utmost respect. Right. Well, well, thanks so much, Wade. I really appreciate all the information and insight you've provided to us. Thank you. Well, thanks to our guest, Wait Ave, and thank you for listening. And next week, what do we got going, Andy? Well, springtime around the corner, that means seasonal allergies. So we're going to talk all about allergies coming up next week. Okay, thanks for joining us. See you here then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast.